Hey, y'all, Alex here. Uh, spoiler alert, it's a good one. And we have a ton of fun. We're talking uh, weird off-the-wall superpowers. We're talking Ben Stiller and Cam's mom coming on the podcast. Uh, we're talking Mission Impossible. We're talking James Bond, and apparently they're not the same thing. Who'd have thunk it? Um, but before we hop into that, uh, I want to tell you guys just about it. You can get more connected on this pod. You're going to hear us shout out uh, some listeners and some friends of ours. Um, we're going to put their answers on the pod about what they think about Ben Rector. And so if you want to be on future pods, you can email us at plainsightpod at gmail.com. You can hit us up at plainsight underscore pod on the Twitters and the Instagrams. Um, or you can go to our website, plainsightpod.wordpress.com, and you can contact us through there. We want to hear from you. Um, we want to hear your deepest thoughts. We want to hear your desires. We want to hear the things that you would tell no one else. Actually, I really don't mean that. I don't want to deal with all that. Um, I, I, I guess I'm obligated to say I will deal with that if you need me to. Um, but that's the best way to reach out to us. We had a ton of fun here. Uh, we want to hear your pod suggestions for what you want to hear in the future. We want to hear what you thought about this pod. We want to hear just basic questions, what you think we should do with Laffery with Zachary on our next pod. We want to hear it all, and we want to put you on the pod. So if you could do that, please do that. Thank you. Um, subscribe. Give us a review on Apple. It means the world. It makes sure people other than our moms listen to this. So... We thank you. We got a lot of cool sound bites, a really fun one coming up. Let's do this. Is Cat in the Hat British? Alex, that's how you do a transition. Or arguably his role as the face of Scientology. Hot and dangerous. Yeah, I threw up. The Cat in the Hat. Big old Tony. What's up, everybody? This is the Plain Sight Podcast. I'm Alex here with my good old buddies, my good old pals, Cam Jordan, Cameron. What's up? Cheers, brother. Cheers. Uh, and Zach. Zach, how you doing? I really wish you had said my name like you said Cam's. Zach. That felt special. <laughs> nope, changed my mind. I wish you had never done that ever. <laughs> I would like to scrub that from my brain, please. <laughs> Imagine... I would hope it would be a little like, don't get me wrong, there's nothing cooler than like the flash that they do in Men in Black. And like, oh, you can't remember anything now? Nothing? What if you could physically like scrub your head and erase certain memories? Like, like if I took a brush to my head, I could forget things? Like a special brush. That seems dangerous. Like you accidentally grab the wrong brush in the morning and you forget. Dangerous. (laughs) This feels applicable for our podcast. We've talked about what my go-to superhero or superpower would be, right? Not on the air. Have you ever heard this? No, my I've never heard this. Please explain it to me, Cameron. would be the ability to take in media like it was the first time. So, like, mm-hmm. I could forget all of Continuum by John Mayer, and I could go back and listen to it like it was the first time. Well, this is what I was basically going to follow up with just a second ago is if you could erase one thing from your brain and experience it new again, what would it be? The cat in the hat. <laughs> and that was the plain side podcast. Thank you all for listening. I was going to try um, to have like an answer, but you just, you said cat in the hat and I just, there's such a visceral reaction to you saying cat in the hat every week that I just feel like I lose track of what else is going on. Yeah, I threw up. I muted my mic so y'all didn't hear it, but I actually threw up when you said that. Oh, um, that was that was no, awful. Well, here's my question. So, like, if I, in this space that we're playing in, if I take away the fact that I've listened to Born and Raised, do I now yeah. not know how to play any of the guitar stuff I've learned from Born and Raised? Of course. That's the rules. Yeah, that's part of it. See, then I don't know if this is worth it anymore. Because, <laughs> like, that, I would want to experience it for the first time again, but, like... Yeah, I get that. Since we're all, like, musicians, that's a little tough that's of a tough. Sell. Yeah, there's a lot of stuff that I picked up from that album. Yeah, but, but like, movies, also... you could, like, watch movies like you've never seen it. Right. Which would be You could do a movie for the first time again. I mean, do you forget everything you've watched immediately after you've watched it or listened to it? Or do I think you it's like choose? A, I think it's, if it's a superpower, I think you choose. If it's a curse, I, you just lose the ability. See, well, that's, mm. there's a fine line where this goes from superpower to curse. Um, and speaking of that, Ben Rector. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> that's what you call a professional. 
professional intro. Nailed it. <laughs> Now's the part where I'm going to try to explain what I meant by that. No, we we're talking about Ben Rector. I found Ben Rector on Pandora. Can you guys guess the Pandora station I was listening to when I found Ben Rector? John Mayer. That, that was no. also going to be my too guess, easy. but it does seem too easy. Um, I will give you a guess. You won't get it. Hmm. Half CCM, half not. I was going to say Amy Grant. <laughs> <laughs> That's fun. Um, Matt Carney. Matt Carney. That makes Matt sense. Matt Carney. Well, because yeah, so he's buddy, his, is his agent. Uh, no, that was Matt Marr, I think. I'm not anymore. Oh, you're right. You're right. You're right. Different. But oh. Matt Carney, my buddy was like, hey, Matt Carney's dope. You should listen to him. I was like, cool, because back then there was Pandora. That was basically it. So I'm listening to Matt Carney, Pandora, and then on comes like the beat, I think. And I just fell in love with Ben Rector. And then ever since then, I've been madly, deeply in love with Ben Rector and his music. Alex, you're the one who put me on to Ben Rector. I did. Yeah. yeah. Add me to that um, list. Yeah. I wasn't going to say it out loud. <laughs> after a while. I mean, I had friends who I were like be that big guy. into Ben. I had friends who were big into Ben Rector in, um, in high school, but I just like never. I think just because I heard his name so much, I was like, I don't want to be mainstream. Um, so I was like, nah. But then like, I think you played something of his and then I just, I just loved it. Too but good. speaking of friends who love Ben Rector... Um, I have some responses for, for the weekly fan question. Alex, that's um, how you do a transition. <laughs> oh, okay, so the joke was that it wasn't a good transition, guys. Uh, that was the whole joke. My joke was also that it wasn't a good transition. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, um, this week I've got a, I've got a few. Um, so the question I asked people this week, and I'd love to hear y'all's responses too, just because I think it's fun. Um, if you were locked in a room with Ben Rector, uh, what three songs would you ask him to serenade you with? Oh. Um, so the first answer came from my friend uh, from down at school, Mary Hampton. And she said, uh, forever like that. She said, it's a sweet love song. Kind of reminds me of the correlation that Honey Bee by Blake Shelton has. Um, and also the slow beat really vibes well. Green, which is her favorite color, and it describes the moment. Uh, he felt most alive and then hideaway uh, he's really honest about what she assumes is his relationship with god it kind of like seeking refuge in god even though uh, it isn't necessarily where he wants to be which i, I thought was really good um the okay. next one comes oh go ahead i am i don't know who you said gave you those answers but i am ridiculously impressed and they are a true ben Rector that's fan like a real fan those are deep cuts <laughs> yeah. Because they, they picked something from something like this, which is his best album by far, hands down. Yeah. Don't debate <laughs> me. And like you said, Ben Rector was kind of mainstream. That's why you didn't... I felt that I was getting into Ben Rector when no one knew about him, and I kind of got to watch people like Ben Rector. Mm. Um, <laughs> like, when I first started watching Ben Rector, he had brand new YouTube videos of him just playing to 12 people at a college and things like that. Cool. So... It's a very different experience, and I just want to say mad props to whoever that was because Hideaway just won my heart over. <laughs> yeah, no, that was that was again that was the, uh, that was my friend Mary Hampton. Um, she responded to my my Twitter DM uh, and, and gave me those. I thought that was really good. Mary, we're friends. Nice, um, good work, Mary. The next one comes from all of our friend uh, Emma Drace. She said, um, "Sailboat," which <clears throat> is her favorite song. Uh, Extraordinary magic. Which, granted, if I'm gonna have him serenade me with a song. That's a really good option. It's a good choice. And then Kids, which that song would just make me cry. So I'm on board with that. Kids would make um, my list one, too. Yeah. The last one comes from uh, another friend down at school, uh, Sarah McCoy. Uh, and she actually went a different route um, because she chose songs that he doesn't sing. Specifically covers she would want him to sing to her. Which is Ooh, interesting. How the Father's love for us. Um, <clears throat> all glory be to Christ, our King, but the King's Kaleidoscope version, and then the song "Fear" by Ben Rector. So, I thought those were good answers. What do y'all think? What three songs would you have Ben Rector serenade you with? This is a this is a an angle because I think I would love if he was serenading me. I want to pick love songs, um, <laughs> and not necessarily my favorite songs of his, but also like. Kind of a challenge, like if he sang the song to me, would I cry like I do in Alone in My Car? 
Um, and so I think I would pick something like uh, Sometimes, which is just... Um, I'm going to talk about this a little more later, but every time you go to a Ben Rector concert, I feel like there's one song that you didn't really bump before that he has convinced you that now is going to be at the top of his <laughs> list when you go to the Ben Rector rotation. So sometimes... Um, Forever Like That was one of mine just because I wanted to look into my eyes and tell me how much he loves me. And um, oh, <laughs> gosh, Without You. Sing a breakup song about Ooh. how much you love me. Without You is, song is probably my number one. If I'm going to have him one-on-one sing me a song, it's that one. It was my favorite Ben Rector song for so long. It's really good. See, I, okay, I'm going to take this a different direction because the, the impetus of the question was locked in a room. Impetus, great word. Thank you. Uh, um, and locked in a room uh, makes me feel like we're being held captive in some way. You um, are. Okay, so perfect. Was he singing about liberation and Well, what I, what I want him to do is just <laughs> is cheer me up a little bit um, because we're probably uh, sad and stuck in there. And I love some cheery, happy Ben Rector. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to lead with kids. But the MPLS remix, because I think it's great. Um, it is very good. It's very good. I'm also going to take Duo, because I yep. love that song. Um, yep. And because it's topical and cheery, I'm also going to take It Would Be You. Because that's kind of what It Would Be You is about in the first place. But we'll get into that in a second. <laughs> I just yeah. think It Would Be You is, so I'm getting married in a few short weeks. You are? Wow. And, yeah. Actually, I am. <laughs> Bro, congrats. Thanks. Thanks so much, babe. Um, But I want It Would Be You to be a part of it just because it encapsulates the fact that we're having a tiny wedding because of the Rona Uh and because of quarantine. Um, And, you know, I haven't had this conversation with Melody. I'll probably wait until last minute be like, hey, we should throw this in there somewhere. Um, And it'll go well, but that's... Or she'll listen to this podcast and you'll have to talk about it a lot earlier. That would imply that she's going to listen to this. Podcast. That was going to be my follow-up question. <laughs> Fair point. I mean, my girlfriend doesn't listen to this podcast, so. Oh, wait, hold on. <laughs> Cam, what about you? <laughs> so kind of stemming from that, I want us to take the meat of this, and I want us to spend a little bit of time talking about the one Ben Rector song. It doesn't have to be the song that means the most to you or makes you feel, but just pick a Ben Rector song um, and just sort of break it down. Why do you enjoy it? What does it mean to you? Why have you been listening to it lately? Whatever you want to talk about it, I want us to each take one song and just show Ben Rector how much we love him, even though he gave us the cold shoulder. Yeah, we, he can still be our friend, even though um, he did tell us that he did not want to talk to us and that he would not be on our podcast. So he directly told me that. Yeah. He came to your house and said, no, I will not do that. <laughs> Beautiful mustache he's growing right now. Uh, he, he actually very specifically said, if I were to record a podcast with people, it would not be you. It was the very opposite of the song he just <laughs> There you go. Out. And speaking of that song they just put out, that's the one I want to talk about. There's another transition. Um, <laughs> Guys, are we getting good at podcasts? Well, me and Cam are. Not. <laughs> <laughs> you are getting good at podcasts. Um, but partially because it's like the new single and it's topical, but also because I've been really bumping it lately. Cause it's, it's a lot of fun. Um, it's so good. I've had, it would be you, um, on the brain lately. Um, because I think it's like a song that, uh, you know, it, 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 the writing process takes a while. So it probably was kind of a stroke of luck that it perfectly kind of is this happy anthem rallying cry right now, which we don't yeah. have a lot of. But the song is about, like, if the world is about to end, I would like to at least hang out with you for now. And it, and I think it's so cool just that it's about finding a, a pinpoint of joy, even in darkness. Um, and how, like, there are there can be so many, like, difficult things happening and, and stuff can really bog you down. But you can really cling to a thing that is going to keep you positive keep you motivated and just like keep you out of the slums of life in in some of those hardest moments um i on a another podcast that i'm on we recently talked about the movie um seeking a friend for the end of the world 
what what did we just watch? It's a it's a great show. Um, <laughs> we talked about seeing a friend for the end of the world. The podcast. Oh yeah, I'm, the last couple of weeks I've been plugging back and forth on both shows, and I feel very good <laughs> about it. <laughs> but um, it's this movie where um, they find out that an asteroid is going to hit the world in 28 days, and there's nothing anybody can do about it. Like it's that's going to be the end of the world. And so people kind of go crazy and, 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 you know, some people set stuff on fire and, and some people start building bunkers and that kind of thing. But it's a Steve Carell movie and it's him and Kiera Knightley. And um, they both just want to, like, see their family one more time and they end up falling in love on the road. And I just think that's those are both, like, really nice pictures of even when things get super difficult, there's something joyful and positive to turn to. This is I'll be the, like, um, the cheesy, like, uppity one on this episode because I'm just in that mood today. But like, even when we're stuck in a global pandemic and when there is, there's so much racial injustice in the world and and there's so much hurting happening at every level, there is something positive and joyful to turn to. And for us, you know, that's, that's the love of God. You know, a lot of times when we talk about songs for this and their love songs, um, I try to imagine like, what if it was written either for or by God. We talked about this on an episode a few weeks ago. I wish I could remember which one, but like the idea of looking at it from that perspective and seeing what that does to the meaning of the song. And I it think it was if one direction one. one. Yeah, it that's right. One, it was one direction. And I think in this case, if you talk about it, like writing it to like a heavenly father who continues to love you and continues to care about you, even in the most difficult moments, even when that's sometimes hard to see, I think it becomes this really like, uplifting and and just like overall super positive and fun experience it's first it's just so good it's so good it's, it's so, so unpredictable good. musically yeah like, absolutely some stuff happens you're like oh that's not a normal pop that's song. not where you expect it <laughs> yeah. to go a lot of times yeah and i was so in love with it but just the idea like you said of you know i'm gonna be stuck in my house the world is over it's not but um, the world is ending. Well, maybe I can't say it's not. Who knows? I mean, arguably the world's always ending. We're always one step closer to the heat death ending. of the universe. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> and, but the thought of, Hey, this is over. Let me spend it with you. It's just a very beautiful yeah, and wholesome. Thing. I like it a lot is find your person. Find your person. Aww. That's Plains Light Podcast. Find your person. Or if you don't have a person. Find your Jesus. Find your Jesus. I was going to say find a friend to be your oh, person. Find a friend, too. You can do that. That's a good thing to do. Yeah, find a friend to be let's your ma- person. Let's maybe not say find your Jesus. Yeah, find like the one. There's one. Find there, Find Jesus. There's a singular. Find, find, find Jesus. Jesus. I think you could take the your out of it. Take the article out of there. Just find Jesus. But we well, need to put something in there. Find a Jesus. Find, find a Jesus. Find that <laughs> That's Jesus. A bad one. That's find today's game. Jesus. Find that Jesus. Laffery <laughs> <laughs> with Zachary. <laughs> By the song that I will always go to when it comes to Ben Rector. And it's funny, I had been listening to this album. Um, it's uh, The Walking In Between. Mm. Yeah. And. One of my favorite albums of his, but I had been listening to it before. I went to the concert with some friends of mine in high school, and he talked about Sailboat and how he wrote the song about what it's like to be going through hard times and how you're out in a storm, it feels like, and you are a sailboat, and there is nothing you can do because the wind is going to take you wherever it wants you to go. Yeah. And if a good singer-songwriter is going to take those moments, is going to take a show, and it, they're going to teach you something about who they are or a song and make you look at it in a different way than you ever had before. So I went from always skipping that song to that song being so influential um, when I'm having those down times, when I'm depressed out of my mind, when I'm struggling with my mental health, um, to know that um, the only change I see is the lost or found at sea. Um, and the only difference is believing I'll make it in. I promise I'm not crying. I'm just losing my voice. But hey, it's okay. I mean, I could be crying. You know what? I am crying. Yeah, this that's is the right. Clip. I am crying <laughs> because we are so passionate at the Plain Sight podcast. <laughs> we are so emotional. We are so in tune with our 
with our emotions. But Sailboat <laughs> has been such a revolutionary song for me. Um, because it was able to explain something that I couldn't explain to people. Mm, uh, yeah. That people couldn't understand when I would say, look, I'm just kind of depressed out of my mind, and there's not even a circumstance that has to happen for me to feel this way. Um, nothing in my life has to be going awry. Um, my brain is just telling me that nothing in my life is worth doing anything at the moment. Yeah. And well, being able to, one, connect with that, know that somebody else feels that way, was so empowering because at the time I didn't know how to talk about that with anyone. Is it, what, what's fascinating about that is, is Alex, you know, we've talked about this recently, what, what this song means to you. The two songs that I've heard you talk about in this capacity, both have to do with water and specifically Whoa. ocean waves, which is just fascinating. And it's not oceans by Hillsong. No, it's not Oceans by Hillsong. <laughs> <laughs> but Emoji of a Wave by John Mayer mm. and Sailboat by Ben Rector, very similar. One with obviously a spiritual twist to it. The other one almost kind of ends with that emptiness of like, yeah. don't know what's going to happen. Sailboat is almost like the conclusion of what Emoji of a Wave was trying to get to. Exactly. And that, yeah. I think that's such a weird thing because in my life, it feels like Emoji of a Wave did complete Sailboat in some ways for me. Hmm. Yeah, yeah. Where sailboat talks about what it's like to be in that moment, and there, it's the thing that I love so much about it is it's not exactly like, oh yeah, everything's gonna be great. It's just hold on, everything's gonna be all right. It's man, it sucks sometimes. You don't know where you're going, but you just gotta, you just gotta stand there because you don't know where the wind's gonna take you, but you're just gonna have to hope you end up on the other side, which is not the message of like hope and. Um, you know, it's always going to come out greener on the other side that everyone wants to hear, but it feels more real in the moment. And there was a line, it it always made me so mad. John Mayer was able to explain this in emoji of a wave in such a quick way that I had been trying to get out for so long is, um, basically he says, and when it comes, you just hold on. Yeah. I'd always try to explain like when, when I'm really struggling, I basically just have to tell myself, it may be a day, it may be a week, it may be a couple hours, it may be multiple weeks. I just have to hold on because one day I'm going to wake up and feel a little better eventually. Yeah. yeah. And they completed each other almost. And so when I think about Ben Rector, he has so many of his upbeat love songs. Um, it Would Be You and songs like that that are what I go to in normal times. But Sailboat has been so revolutionary for me. Um, and to tie it to my faith, it basically just comes down to like, God, this sucks, but I know you're not gone. You know, right. Is God, this sucks, but I still trust you. Even when I don't see the outcome, I trust you. And I go through these phases with my faith where I have, um, certain like phrases that I just are sort of like, especially during worship that are coming. And some of them are like, uh, I want to know you is one that I had recently, but one that I have all the time is just, God, I trust you. Like, I have no clue what my future looks like right now, but God, I trust you. And my thought is I'm going to keep saying it until I mean it, that I'm not in this Mm -hmm. to find the outcome, but I just trust that there is an outcome. And regardless of what it is, I know you are there with me. That's good. Yeah, definitely. Um, I think the song for me that, that really stands out, um, is, is song for the suburbs. Um, I think for me, this is something I, I talk about almost every episode, it feels like, but motivation to me is like such a pinnacle thing that like, I don't think there's a day in the last couple years that I've woken up and at some point that day, haven't told myself, okay, check your motivation because I, I know myself and, and, you know, we've talked about the Enneagram a little bit as a three motivators can kind of come into check sometimes it's why do i want to be successful in this thing i'm doing and so the opening line of song of the suburbs is this american dream is not what it seems and and to me that's really important because this american dream this idea of like if you work really hard you're gonna get all of these things that make you appear successful as a three half of my life is trying to appear successful and trying yeah. to convince people that I'm successful, whether I am or not. And so it's kind of a, a heart check for me to listen to this song 
and realize that, you know, I don't need to appear successful anymore. That's not the goal. One of the lines that I really love um, where I think he describes it really well is he says, pretty cars and pretty houses, pretty people on parade. If this dream is what you're after, then dreaming is where you'll stay. And like, he's just saying if, if you're chasing this American dream, then like the reality of it doesn't exist. It's always this pinnacle that you're chasing. The goalpost will always be moving. I mean, how many times have we heard people talk about like, you know, oh, I, I want to save this much money, which is a good thing. Saving money is not inherently bad. None of the things he's talking about are. But when that is your pure motivation, then when you get that much money, you're going to be like, well, now I want this much. Now I yeah. want this much. And it comes with fame. And it's the downfall of people who are chasing fame and chasing clout. It's, it's an unhealthy pursuit. And so for him to kind of talk about like motivation in this way and how this is kind of how the devil is, is burying us with our own desires and our own, Hey, mm. I'm, I'm pursuing this. Yeah. I even wrote, um, back in, uh, apparently I had a very emo day. Yeah, when you told me about this pre pod, <laughs> I was like, ago. Oh wow. <laughs> yeah. Um, I, I won't read it, but I wrote, uh, a poem back like sophomore year of college maybe. And it's called the American nightmare. And it was all about like what the American dream is in reality, this idea. And I think the analogy I went with was you're climbing this tree, trying to get to the, the next branch. And as you climb, you reach for it and you fall and it ends with, were you actually dead the whole time? This idea of we're chasing after this pursuit, but once we finally get close enough to reach it, we realize that the pursuit itself never really had any life to it. And I think that's kind of what this song does for me. It checks my motivation. It kind of checks my heart. It makes me realize, am I pursuing something because it's what God wants for me? I think God wants us to be successful. God wants me to pursue human trafficking prevention in a way that's wholesome and, and saving people's lives. But he doesn't want me to do it so I can get clout and so I can get fame and so people can look at me like that. He wants me to do it because he put that impression on my heart. And he wants me to draw people and point them towards him. And I think we lose that a lot. Yeah, that's good. Um, one day we're going to start a Patreon and that poem is going to be Patreon exclusive content. I hope you understand that. <laughs> <laughs> it is definitely. That poem and my poem about Hank Humberfloop. Should I write a blog about the Hank Humberfloop? <laughs> I promise I was going to transition into an actual point. Um, I think it's it's really interesting in all three of the songs we brought up. We didn't we didn't really like check them with each other beforehand, but all three of them are really inherently about the intersection of the good and the bad of the joy and the sorrow and the positive and the negative. Um, and just the way that the two kind of extremes of life, um, can kind of, um, find their way to be tied together. Um, and I think it, it, it kind of brings me back to Alex, what you were talking about, about, mental health and and i think that's yeah. something that we don't talk about nearly enough in the church sure don't um because i think so often the impression is well like if i have jesus then i shouldn't ever be sad about anything mm. and i think in a lot of ways i think there's some truth to the idea that you know we we have a, an underlying joy to to knowing what eternity is and being tied to that but that misses so much of like just the actual chemistry of how the brain works and, and what it is like to be alive on earth. And, and one of my favorite, um, one of my favorite uh, things that somebody has ever said to me about the Bible is that in the second greatest commandment, it's not love your neighbor. It's love your neighbor as yourself with the implication yes. that you need to be willing to talk about loving yourself and, and checking in on your own mental so health. Much. Or you can hate them both. Well, yeah. It might be an excuse to not love your neighbor. <laughs> yeah, you know? Alex, we don't want to give people that space to play in. That's already enough of a struggle of people right now. Right. Let's not give them an excuse. No, that's such, but that's such a good point, though, is there, there's a lot of cheesiness. Like, you got to learn to love yourself. Um, and I know, like, for me, sometimes, like, I'll say a stupid thing or I'll think about a thing I said or did, and I'll, like, just be like, Alex, I hate you. Like, you are so stupid. And like, yeah. even if I'm joking, 
like it still has such a catastrophic um, impact on my mental health and the way I see myself and the way I believe that other people see me, my perception of the way other people see me. Right. It's so easy to talk ourselves into that just by those little things. And I actually have to almost switch it sometimes. It's like, because I can be such a people pleaser. It's like, I need to learn to care about myself the way I try my hardest to care about other people. Yeah, absolutely. And so in that same way, I need to love my neighbor. I need to love my peers, my friends, my family um, in a way that is honoring to them and honoring to myself. Yeah, that's really good. Yeah, that's good. Do we want to get silly? I always want to get silly. I'm, I'm down. Cam, can you get silly? <laughs> are, are you ready? Do we need to do we need to play some games? Do some vocal warm ups? Actually, um, I, I have I have a game. I have a you game. You have a game? Yay! Um, it's so, my favorite game segment. Games with Cam. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I, I realized as I was you know Cam with games as Ooh. we were doing our our pre pod Bible study. Um, <laughs> I opened up to Psalm seven, okay. which really holds no like actual significance like i'm not going to read you anything from psalm 7 but there is something just in my bible and i want to give you each i will mm. give you each two guesses because i don't think you're going to get it even if i give you infinite guesses um two guesses each as to what is currently in my bible there's a it's not like the book of psalms like there's something in there that was left in there from the past yeah, I'm not asking you. Yeah, because I, I don't know 7. Psalm seven off the top of my head, so I'm glad that's not the well, game. Well, also eight, nine, <laughs> well, and need to be better, are on here, but I'm not asking you about any of those. Either. That's good. I do have some things highlighted in here, so like, um, I did good. Does it have to do with a lion? Not directly, but I'm sure if we worked hard enough, we could. We could find them. a way. Um, <laughs> is it uh, ten dollars? No, I super wish though. Don't we all? Um, is it a piece of kale? No. I was also going to say I do not you. wish that. I was going to say is it a pack of M&Ms? No, it is also pack not that. Man. How would he not notice a pack of M&Ms in his Bible? <laughs> well, they've been there a well, long time. They got boy. smushed. <laughs> he doesn't read Psalms a lot. Cam, what's in your Bible? Uh, it's one of the answer sheets to clue the office. <laughs> <laughs> no, I would never have guessed that. But I next week, I was using play this Cam, what's as in your like, Bible as laughing uh, Zachary. I don't think so. The one time I've won this game, my sister accused me of cheating. Um, so is it because another question I would like it? to Maybe ask you all. Maybe that's the one. <laughs> no. So what happened was we were playing in, in the office clue. To make your final guess, you've got to go to the middle to make the guess. You can't okay. just okay. do it on your turn. And so she made a guess, and it went around. And I narrowed the last thing I needed. I think it was places down to like two or three. Mm -hmm. And so she made a guess. It went around. Nobody could solve it. And she said, I would like to make my final guess without going to the middle. So my parents corrected her and said, no, like you've got to go to the middle. And she's like, oh, okay. So then it got to my turn. Uh, I went to the middle made the same and guess. made what was going to be her guess. And it was right. And they said I cheated. But really, she didn't know the rules. That's on her. Yeah, you got to respect the hustle there, you know? Um, but I do have another silly zone question, and I think this can become a silly swing, which is why I want to ask it here. Oh, I'm excited. <laughs> um, Alex, we've both been to a Ben Rector concert. Been to two of them. Um, no flex. I want to ask y'all what what's the best concert you've ever been to? Because I know we've each been we've been to a few together between the three of us. Mm -hmm. I want to know what what is your favorite concert? Um, mm, that's tough. It, it depends on how I want to qualify it on the day because it's either the John Mayer concert or the Rocket Summer concert. Um, we were in attendance for both. Yeah, we all three went to both of those, but they were both very good shows. I think the Rocket Summer concert was probably my favorite. It was down at the Riot Room, you know, in Kansas City, just a tiny little venue. So Kansas City. So Kansas City. And, like, yeah. just I, there were, what, like 50 people there maybe? Tops. Like, tiny little His venue. We were not His social distancing His encore was the coolest thing I think I've ever experienced. That's the coolest thing I've ever seen at a concert, when he just came out and said, what do you want to hear? And people were yelling songs from his back catalog at him, and that was his encore. He didn't, 
He didn't play Elf Creep. He did not play Elf Creep, and I knew you were going to bring it up if I talked about the Rocket Summer concert. (laughs) (laughs) But that that was such a cool, like, tiny venue, intimate setting. Like, when he did an acoustic set and just brought a box, like a road case, into the middle of the crowd and did a whole set with people surrounding him. Like, super cool. And he's just so indie. Like, the crowd there was so, like, authentic. I loved it. And you knew everybody there was like a diehard Rocket Summer fan. Yeah. Except for like Alex Emily, who I brought another well, uh, plug for. I mean, also me. Watch. I could not name you a single song by them, by him. Except um, for when he said when he sang Prince. Yes, indeed. And um, Cam turned to me and said, "Alex knows the words." This one, I said, "It's I Prince." Can tell you why. <laughs> Sorry, we exposed you, Cam. Um, I've been. To, hey, it happens in the heat of the moment. I have a ton of concerts I love. Um, I, I don't want to be too predictable is the thing, but how about this? I have been to three John Mayer concerts. I'm going to throw to you guys to guess which of the three were my favorite. The first one was born and raised. Um, it was between born and raised and paradise Valley. It was cause he was going to tour on born and raised and then he had the whole vocal thing. So he had to wait a couple of years. So it was right before paradise Valley. Um, the second one was the search for everything. And then the last one was just that last summer tour he did. I will let you guess. I'm going to go. It was, it was search for everything for two reasons. One that was, it was April 14th, the day the album came out. So good. So, so when we went and we had really close seats, we were, we weren't on the floor, but we were the second row. We were darn tootin' close. (laughs) <laughs> so arguably the best seats because we were a little bit elevated to where we could see everything, but still really close. Yeah. And it was the second time ever he's played an actual trio set. He played an entire trio set. Yeah. Um, which he's only ever done on the Where the Light Is tour. Um, this as much is not as a would... podcast joke. My eyes are watering right now. Just <laughs> <laughs> As much as I would love to give credit to the power of all three of us being at the same concert, it was clearly the search for everything. Tour. It was so good. I can't, can't be <laughs> another one. Uh, in the running is the James the Taylor fr- concert I went to. It was fantastic. But Ooh, that'd be fun, too. I think mine might be Chris Renzema. I think that's another very like niche concert where everybody there was such a big fan and it was in the riot room, but it was packed. Oh yeah. Same, same energy, but like what was cool was they've had like, um, I mean, it's, it's a bar. So they've had a bunch of different like heavy metal bands there and stuff. Mm -hmm. And the dude who was running sound, I was over by the booth. He said to me, he's like, I've run so many heavy metal concerts and I've never seen the ground shake like this. <laughs> People were that into it. That was the spirit of the And Lord. everybody was jumping. We legit almost broke the floor. And this is like a worship artist. It was it was sick. And That's so cool. I think that, I mean, I think the John Swally Mayer one. Ghost, the am same, I right? The same one. The John Mayer one is my number one. And I think at this point, everything else will just forever compete. For what is the top, <laughs> excluding that one. Because that's something I will never experience. Yeah, I just, again. I wanted to, ooh, Amos Lee was so good. Amos Lee was that so is good. In Uptown, such a good it answer. was amazing. Um, it was great. It's got to be one of those 42 that I named. But probably the second John <laughs> concert. My Need to Breathe, well, both the Need to Breathe ones were also really good. Um, This is sort of related. Um, in the fact that it's not related at all. Perfect. Cool. Nail that transition too. But I just I, it's it's been on my heart lately. Hmm. Best kind of pancake. <laughs> what? <laughs> it's the silly zone. Everything's off on the table. <laughs> and I just when you said we, not related well, at all. No, you I think we need kidding. to reevaluate what the silly zone is. I want to talk <laughs> about, talk we, about we, food. We've talked a lot. Pringles. <laughs> we've talked about a lot of things. And I just <laughs> but those have come up somewhat naturally. I know, but I just <laughs> I just about, want to talk pancakes. <laughs> also, the answer: banana pancakes. Jack Johnson. Okay, I was actually going to try to explain how I got from Ben Rector to there. From I was listening to Ben Rector at the same time that I was really into Jack Johnson and how much I mm-hmm. love banana pancakes to Let's Talk Pancakes. Okay. I figured it had something to do with the singer-songwriter relationship. And it had nothing to do with any of that. That was just my pancakes. excuse. 
I didn't necessarily even think that. I just was also thinking about Jack Johnson. If Ben Rector was a pancake, <laughs> what pancake would he be? Mm. He's kind of, he's got like a classic like nice thing, but there's a little bit of like a there's spicy a sadness underlying there. it. Oh, okay. Or spicy, either way. Um uh, I was gonna say like like dark chocolate chunks. Ooh. Like you do like a plain pancake, but then like dark chocolate oh. chunks in it. Are so there's like what Ben Rector is, or that is your favorite type of pancake. That's what I think Ben Rector is as a pancake. Like it's the it's the like it teases you in with like a like a normal outer layer, but then like underneath it, there's like ooh, there's a little bit of bitter. There's a little bit of something in there. Oh, there's a little there's a little umph in your heart. Yeah, there's a little surprise in there, like a little half unpleasant surprise. That's good. This is more related than what Alex did, uh, but it has to do with breakfast foods. Uh, <laughs> my uh, my grandma, we used to go to First Watch all the time, and what she would do is she'd order a waffle with a side of blueberries and individually drop every <laughs> blueberry into every little square on the waffle. And so by the time we were all done with our food, she was like halfway done dropping in her blueberries. That's a very fun grandma move. Just one blueberry at a time. <laughs> I don't. Yeah, was a I'm experience. not a blueberry pancake guy. No, no, not not blueberry pancakes. I'll smash a blueberry muffin. Yeah, blueberry muffins Ooh, are good. I, not the I best can go muffin, but hard on a blueberry muffin. Zach, we have given you probably how many hours? Four to make. A I game. think four. Yeah, and um, so I was done on the clock two and a half hours ago. So don't you worry, because I can whip a game out of thin air if I have to. You sure can. Um. Do you want to you want to do the intro I before sure I tell do. you what the I game is? I was going to let you go, but I want to do it so bad. Uh, so this is the greatest game show podcast name in the history of game show podcast names. It also is the greatest game show podcast in the history of game show podcast. It is called Laughery with Zachary. Give a hand for your host, Zachary Kuya. Uh, thank you. Thank you. Um, before we begin this week, um, you guys know what Orbeez are? Melody loves those things. <laughs> Wait, no, okay. no, she doesn't. Like no, off-brand Arby's? Arby's are not edible, are they? No, <laughs> never mind. No, oh, I went off-brand Arby's. So, no, Orbeez similar vibes. <laughs> Orbeez are not edible, and I know what you're Arby's. talking about. There are things that They're... look like Orbeez that are edible that you find at Yogurtini. Oh, that's boba. Yes. Boba. Yes. Oh, are you talking? Boba Orbeez is are like fire. boba that you can't eat. Mm. Um, they're little, That's super they're little like you should. I don't know eat. if they're rubber or plastic, but they swell up when you put uh, put them in water. Yeah. Um, I got just a giant bucket of them right next okay. to me. Okay, I'm so um, excited. When we when we decided four hours ago that we were going to record tonight, I dumped a whole bunch of them into this big tub. Amazon Prime. Um, exactly. <laughs> they go sponsor. quick. <laughs> they got them drones. They're going fast now. <laughs> But uh, I dumped them in as soon as we started, um, and and I have one with each of your names on it somewhere in this bucket. So I'm just gonna root around in here for a while, and I'm not gonna make the same Jello sound because that's not the sound that Orbeez would make. They're more like, oh, that's so gross. I love it. It could have been. <laughs> oh yeah, no, go back to the first one. I got more. I got more Jello because uh, I just I was looking for a snack. But back to the Orbeez. <laughs> oh, oh, I found. Oh, it's. Oh yeah, it's a little ball bearing that I got. Oh, and and on this ball bearing it says, Cam. Cam's going first this week. So Cam, I'm so glad you told me that when I don't even know the game. But is here's yet. the yeah, thing. That's, that's Zach, what I want to do. Every I think time. that might be the very first time you've ever picked Cam first. I wasn't gonna say it. I think every week you pick me. <laughs> I was I tried when we started yeah. this to flip it back and forth every week, but I don't I think I lost track of that at some point because I realized <laughs> the other day I picked Alex a lot of times. A lot of times. <laughs> I was hoping it was a bit fun. I still think about. I'm I still think I'm winning our running record of, of games. No we need to get, I don't know. We need to get we a need to go back fan and wiki out. dedicated to who's winning Laffrey with Zachary overall. But it's just two columns of just tallies. Yeah. Like it's well, a very and then there's bland one for Angelo and one for Tyler. <laughs> yes. True. Um, today's today's game um, is inspired by one of my favorite uh, Ben Rector songs that we mentioned earlier, um, and that being Duo. Um, I think that song is just a lot of fun. I have a great time with it when he does it live, and he he has that the the bridge where he, I see the crystal raindrops fall. It's so good. It's it's my favorite. 
And he talks about iconic duos in that song. And I thought, what's the opposite of an iconic duo? And I thought, the opposite of an iconic duo is not when you don't know either of them, because that's not a very fun game if you don't know either half of the <laughs> thing we're talking about. that are friends <laughs> on the planet. <laughs> what I decided was the opposite of an iconic duo, i.e. a not-so-iconic duo, the name of this game, is when two things are as closely linked as they can possibly be, but you only know one of them. That's why this week's game is called Not-So-Iconic Duos, a.k.a. Spot the Twin. Basically, it's just a multiple-choice question, and one of them is a twin. And you have to tell me which one's a twin. That is today's game. I'm so, so confused. I'm so glad example, Cam's going first. <laughs> yeah, for example... <laughs> this is the week that you picked me to go first? It's okay. It's going to make sense as soon as I start reading you the question. Cam, you have a lot of question faith number one. Ability. You each get four, and then there's a bonus round, obviously. But Cam, question one. Not so iconic duos. Which star of that 70s show has a twin brother? Is it A, Mila Kunis, B, Ashton Kutcher, C, Wilmer Valderrama, or D, Topher Grace? C. You're going with C, Wilmer Valderrama? Did yeah. you just want to hear me say Wilmer Valderrama yeah, again? I was hoping I Cam would say the name say or attempt to say the name. <laughs> I'm sorry, the correct answer is B, Ashton Kutcher, who has a twin oh. brother. This is like a fun I'm a big thing. Ashton Kutcher guy, too. That's yeah, fascinating. He's got a twin brother. Are we getting punked? I kn- funny. I knew you were a big Ashton Kutcher guy, and I thought maybe that would give you that point, but it seems no, it has not worked in your well, favor. Cam, can I, can I do a shameless, shameless plug? Do a shameless plug. Uh, Ashton Kutcher has a really cool organization called Thorn, uh, which is uh, in favor of human trafficking prevention, specifically for underaged women. He's led a lot of really cool raids and stuff like that, and he has a really cool uh, conversation from 2017 that he has with Congress. Highly recommend checking it out and checking out that organization. Ashton Kutcher is a king. It may have been his brother the whole time. (laughs) It's not. I don't think so. I think they're fraternal twins. But no, very cool guy, very cool guy, Ashton Kutcher. Uh, Alex, yes, your round one question and your chance to take one of the few leads you've had in a Laffery with Zachary. Oh, stop! <laughs> <laughs> Alex, which original X Men actor has a twin brother? Is it A. Anna Paquin, B. Rebecca Romaine, C. Sean Ashmore, or D. James Marsden? I don't know a single one of those people. <laughs> I you know any of them? love that. Um, you want a new game? Anna Paquin is Rogue. Rebecca Romaine is Mystique. Sean Ashmore is Iceman. And James Marsden is Cyclops. Mystique. I pick Mystique. Anna Pac-Man. <laughs> Do not disrespect the youngest ever Oscar winner like that. <laughs> Unfortunately, the correct answer is C, Sean Ashmore. Uh, so nobody got it right, even with a joke answer. <laughs> uh, yeah, I just wanted to say Anna Pac-Man. I get it. I respect that. Cam, we're going back to you. A 0-0 tie in the second round here. Which Fast and Furious cast member has really? a twin brother? You is give it him a? Ashton Kutcher and Fast and Furious. This is ridiculous. Hey, he missed Ashton Kutcher, so relax, tough guy. I know a lot about Fast it's and Vin Furious, Diesel. but not the brothers. Who has a twin brother? Is it A, Vin Diesel, B, Ludacris, C, Tyrese Gibson, or D, Paul Walker? Load up. I feel... Ah. Ice cream. I'm going to Tyrese Gibson. Tyrese Gibson, an interesting choice, but the correct answer was A, Vin Diesel. Vin Diesel has a twin brother. Alex, you get like a consolation point for that, but unfortunately it will not count towards the overall game score. But I did hear you say Vin Diesel, and I will give you that credit if we come down to an impossible tie. Um, I knew it couldn't be Paul Walker because like that would be too sad. Well, he had a brother. That's how they filmed some of the scenes in Fury 7 after he died. True. Was his brother was the stand-in. So the Paul well, Walker was But that's also why the, I knew it wasn't a twin. That's a good point. But Paul Walker was definitely the throw-off answer in there. Okay, Alex. Put some points on the board for somebody. Which Napoleon Dynamite actor has a twin brother? Is it A, Aaron Rule, a.k.a. Kip? Is it B, Efren Ramirez, a.k.a. Pedro? Is it C, John Grease, a.k.a. Uncle Rico? Or D, Napoleon himself, John Hader? I'm not going to say what I want to say right now. How much do you want to bet I can throw a pigskin over them there mountains? <laughs> okay. No, I'm not going to admit that. C. 
Yeah. We go for C. Whoever C was. Uncle Rico. Yeah, Uncle Rico. <laughs> Uncle Rico. <laughs> Unfortunately, the correct answer is D. John Hader Napoleon himself. What? How are the big dogs all have twins? Mm-hmm. There's a lot of yeah. John Hader, Absolutely. one of the real big dogs of Hollywood. Okay, but don't act like <laughs> of that, that movie. Of that like movie. That's what I'm sure. saying. Oh, that's fair. All right. This is the part of the game where my categories I had to stretch to come up with multiple people for them um, in a little bit more interesting <laughs> ways. So, Cam, round three. Which cast member of Night at the Museum Battle of the Smithsonian has a twin brother? It's, it's Ben Stiller. It, I'm going to lose my mind. <laughs> is it A, Robin Williams, B, Rami Malek, C, Ben Stiller, or D, Amy Adams? Amy Adams. I'm sorry. The correct answer is Rami Malek oh, has a twin man. brother. Rami Malek's twin brother? I, I, it's either Sammy or if it's pronounced the same way as Rami, it's Sami. It's just replaced the R with an S, and that's his twin brother's name, and I think that's great. It's beautiful. I like that. Uh, Alex, your third-round question is inspired by um, our Warzone squad. Yay! Which Jack actor has a twin sister? Oh, I'm so excited. I thought you were going to say which of our squad has a brother. He was like, me. I was like, whoa! (laughs) Which of us has a twin? (laughs) Basically, Uh, Cam and Tyler. Is it, uh, funny. That's a good point, honestly. Is it A, Tom Cruise, a.k.a. Jack Reacher? Is it B, Keanu Reeves, a.k.a. Jack Traven? Is it C, Alec Baldwin, a.k.a. Jack Ryan? Or is it D, Kiefer Sutherland, a.k.a. Jack Bauer? We're asking about the actors and not the characters. Keanu Reeves. They're all Jacks. I'm sorry, the correct answer is D, Kiefer Sutherland, who has a twin sister who looks shockingly like him. This like, is it's so uncanny dumb. how I, similar the two of them look. We also, suck. while we're here, before we go into the final pressures on round, we got to talk about something that happened about 45 minutes ago in our time. Um, <laughs> oh, option don't. A we of this question was Tom it. Cruise. Tom Cruise may be most famous for his role as Ethan Hunt, in the Mission Impossible movies. but did, Or arguably his role as the face of Scientology. Uh, that, <laughs> that's a good point. <laughs> um, <laughs> what Ethan Hunt, or what Tom Cruise did not star in as Ethan Hunt, is the James Bond movies. Alex, Listen. would you like to elaborate on what you said about mm, an hour ago? Listen, I, I almost exposed myself because I also almost might have just said I've never seen Napoleon Dynamite. But... <laughs> That's okay. I would understand that. For someone who hosts but, uh, a movie podcast, mo- mostly kind of, um, I I thought <laughs> that Mission Impossible was basically like Mission Impossible starring James Bond. And I yeah, you thought they were the same. Season. I thought that James Bond was the lead guy of Mission Impossible. So. <laughs> Earlier. When I got on this Skype call, the first thing that I was asked was, what are the James Bond movies called? And I said, there's like 25 of them. What do you mean? And he said, are they called Mission Impossible? <laughs> well, because it's funny because when we were talking about the possibility of doing like a James Bond podcast at some point, I felt so stupid because I said James Bond and it was like, oh, no, it's actually Mission Impossible, and I'm going to feel so dumb that I said James Bond. <laughs> well, little did you know, you did look so dumb. <laughs> we, we chose to publicize your looking dumb right here on the Internet. And now that we've thoroughly shamed Alex, we're going into our final regular round of questions. Hopefully somebody can put up a point before the bonus round, but if not, we have a bonus round. Cam, your fourth question Which star of an Unlocking 100% of Your Brain movie has a twin brother? Is it A, Scarlett Johansson, B, Bradley Cooper, C, Morgan Freeman, or D, Robert De Niro? Bradley Cooper. The correct answer was A, Scarlett Johansson has a twin brother, and I I thought maybe this was going to be the one because we talked about how the most famous people have been having twins, and I thought maybe Scarlett Johansson would be that in this case, but no. Is she more famous than Bradley Cooper or Robert De Niro? She wasn't Scarlett my book Johansson's growing up, an Avenger. She's, she's an Avenger. She's more famous than Bradley Cooper. She's an Avenger. Her face is an Avenger. Bradley Cooper's voice is an Avenger, but her face is an Avenger. 
Morgan Freeman, Robert De Niro, arguably older, but, but you know, it's it's a tough game to play. Well, they're not arguably well, older. <laughs> they're objectively <laughs> older, arguably less famous because I mean, of their age. What is old, really? Hmm. A time's just age. a number. Age is but a number. Quite specifically. Age ain't nothing but a number. Okay, Alex? Yeah? This is the last <laughs> chance to score any points in the regular round of this game. And I recognize that, like, there was no way that you should have known, but I figured with eight, <laughs> somebody would accidentally get one right at I'm some point. I know, like, the whole test test taking thing is always pick C, and that doesn't really apply to this, but that's kind of my, my mindset going in almost every single one of these games. Mine is always just pick who I want it to be. That's a good. That's I want there to be two Tyrese Gibsons. <laughs> I get two that. Tyrese, two Gibson. Alex. Yeah. Your final question of the regular game: the chance to win it, or with a failure, sending it to the bonus round. Clutch it up, baby. Which '90s rock band features twins on lead vocals and lead guitar? Oh, go! Come on. Is it A. Some Forty One? Yeah. B. Good Charlotte. C. Blink One Eighty Two. Or D, Green Day. It's Good Charlotte because it's not any of the other ones. It is Good Charlotte. We did score a point more this game. Let's go. Ended. Alex, you have won. What did I call this game? Not So Iconic Duos or Spot the Twin. That, I'm so glad somebody scored a point because I was worried this was just going to be an average failure of a game. Bro, you brought up 90s punk bands, basically. Like, come <laughs> on. How was I not going to get that right? I'm glad you had it. Um, the bonus round this time, I didn't have a follow-up question, but um, I am going to put you on the spot. Um, this isn't worth anything, but I just want to see what happens. First person to name a famous set of twins wins. The, uh, the Mary-Kate Nashley. Mary-Kate Olsen. <laughs> that was incredible. <laughs> Cam, or Alex started it first, but Cam finished it first, so I don't know what to do with that. Iconic duo. <laughs> it's a good thing that's not the game. We're the iconic oh, duo. Oh, it's so good. That was really fun. I also would have accepted Dylan and Cole Sprouse. Um, That's good. Tia and Tamara Mowry. Are there only certain twins you would have accepted? Is that what you're telling us? Right <laughs> Those now? are just the only ones I could come up with at the moment. Um, I'm sure there's more. Um, but it's a good thing we didn't need that bonus question. <laughs> Alex, you want to finish the podcast? <laughs> You said, uh, okay, guys, hey, uh, here's the thing. I was going to see if I could, <laughs> I was thinking very hard. What do we call this before we go into elevator pitch, which I just feel like is too easy. Can we give our own little brainstorm of what the brainstorm is going to be called? Um, can we invite our listeners into this segment, please? If you have ideas, plain pod at gmail.com as well. But do you want to maybe talk a little bit more about what you were talking about? Yeah. I would like for you to explain to so, me what you're talking one about. One of our favorite little bits on this show, and if I am correct, Cam texted us and said, hey, I want to pitch an episode on the show. Yes, yes, I see what you're so saying. So what now. do we call this? Oh, he did. Is, okay. That's where I'm getting at. I was, I was trying to sit in silence and see if I could think of a funny. I couldn't. And, <laughs> you know, I just want to embrace the tension of silence, so I think we're going to leave that in the pod. Please um, do. But what do we call it? Before we get into it, like what's the name? Elevator pitch is dumb. It's too generic. We'll call it the we'll call it the Ephis, which mm. is arguably the greatest pitch there is. That's maybe the best pitch. Just Zach Grinky, fifty five <clears throat> miles an hour, right over the middle of the plate for no reason. Mm, that's a good one. Is there? Call it the Ephis. All right, the Ephis. Cam, go. Also, I miss baseball. <laughs> So, so this is a, a different type of ephus that I'm throwing at you today. Um, this one comes from my mother, Kelly, um, who wants to be a guest on our podcast. I would love it. If Done, we agree booked. to do one of the three following movies. Okay. The first one, actually the first two are ones that she consistently mixed up when she gives me this idea. She's <laughs> told me Peach. this multiple times. Night at the Museum, which you did talk about earlier. Perfect. Zach, she wants to do, us to do a Night at the Museum pod. Um, the other one is National Treasure. These are both ones that I was going to pitch at some point. Nicholas Cage is I thought movie. we could do a whole Nick Cage series. I was also going to pitch a Nick Cage series. <laughs> but the one that she really wants to do, which I told her is probably the most likely to happen, is Miss Congeniality, which is her favorite movie of all time. Absolutely, so, I'm on board for that. Uh, this is less of a literal pitch and more of me saying, this is what my mom wants to do. 
And uh, I think it'd be a fun idea. I think we could make all three of those into one big pod. Oh, interesting. A triple feature, it, if you will. Done. And we will have a Hank Humberflube episode. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you gotta love it. I don't know. I was gonna try and figure out how to put Hank Humberflube into Eva's. Like, Hank Humberflube, hey, wash your hands. Um, but I, that's not funny, and I just couldn't do it. So, <laughs> here's the thing. This was the pot about Ben Rector, and we haven't mentioned him.